Father God, we we come before you with your song and your praise and your worship. And Father, we, we just praise you right now. Hallowed be thy name. God, you are so good. Your grace and your love and your mercy. You just continue to pour out to humanity. Father, we ask this morning that you would continue to mold and shape us and to become people who would love you well and love others well. Father, to be part of a journey to help show the love of Jesus and to share the good news. Father, we pray for your kingdom to come here on earth as it would be in heaven, right here into the city of Portland and into our lives. Father, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you this morning. Thank you for bringing us together. Would you continue to teach us about what it means to be in relationship with you, to talk and to listen with you? Father, would you forgive us for the things that we have done? We thank you as we've taken communion together to be reminded that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven our sins. They are gone as far as the east is from the west. Father, would you lead us away from temptation? Would you help us to walk in wisdom and into your ways? And we just invite you into our time of teaching here this morning. We thank you for the invitation that if we are thirsty, that we can come and be with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, as you see, I am not Russell. Um, I am not as good looking or as young um, and not nearly as smart as he is. Um, but uh, he invited me to come and to share with you this morning. My name is Sean Tomei, and uh, just to give you a little background of who I am, uh, when Russell and Emily were feeling called to come to Portland years ago, uh, they, along with a couple other church planning organizations and churches, invited me to come in and be part of their journey with them. And so my role is the director of the Northwest Christian Evangelistic Association, and we've been able just to journey with Russell and Emily and with the staff and with Church of the City over the past four years. My role is I get to go around, and uh, we have three different goals that we focus on with the NWCA. Number one, we get to encourage pastors just to come alongside them and check in with them and see how they're doing. We get to spend time praying for them and for their marriages and for their families. Then our second goal is we get to come help alongside churches and equip them just to be healthy, to, to be all that God is calling them to be and to do all that God is calling them to do. 
And then we get to partner and help plant new churches as well, which is why we were invited to be part of this partnership. So it is um, a blessing and an honor just to be here with you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to share with you. Um, just so that you get to know me a little bit real quick, um, I was born in Tokyo, Japan. My father was in the Marine Corps. And from Tokyo, we traveled into Iran for a period of time. And then after Iran, we moved into Las Vegas, Nevada, where I spent my early childhood education, um, my, my time as a kid there. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to do as a kid in Vegas when you're under 21. Uh, so I uh, devoted my life to competitive swimming, and so that's what I did. And then uh, when I was in seventh grade, my parents moved our family from Las Vegas, Nevada to Mission Viejo, California, and just to continue to pursue the career of swimming. During that time, uh, my parents raised me in the Catholic Church, and uh, I still have just some um, the, the plaques and um, the little certificate that sits on my desk about how my parents raised me through the Catholic Church, teaching me about who God is. And um, uh, once we moved from Vegas to California, for some reason we just stopped going to church altogether. And so uh, from about seventh grade on to about tenth grade, I just kind of, I didn't really have much to do with God or much to do with even going to church. My sophomore year in high school, a young lady invited me to go to a youth group retreat where um, they were going to teach people how to water ski. My thought was, um, girls in bikinis and learning how to water ski, sign me up. <laughs> um, and so I went to that retreat uh, that weekend, and that night I heard uh, the gospel story. I heard this message that there's a God out there who loves me and a God who wants to be in relationship with me, and a God who wants to show me how to live my life a much better way than the way that I was living. I gave my life over to Jesus Christ that night, began a personal relationship. I grew up in the Catholic Church understanding about religion, but then there was this shift that took place moving from a religion to a relationship. My sophomore year in high school, one of the pastors there just took me in underneath his wings. He began to teach me about what it means to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to live the life of the way of Jesus. From there, I went to a school in California called Pacific Christian College, and that's where I met my wife. She's originally from Beaverton. And so we spent four years down there together. We got married. We did ministry in Los Angeles for a little bit. And then in 97, we moved from L.A. up to Portland, where we did youth ministry for a period of time. And then we, um, years later, helped plant the church. And then years after that, led me to the role that I'm in right now. I've been married for 23 years to my wife, Angel. That is her real name. It was Angel. Um, and we have four kids. My oldest is uh, studying to be a nurse at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and then my second oldest daughter is uh, down in San Diego at Point Loma University. And then I've got a 16-year-old son, and he is a junior this year in high school, and he's driving. <laughs> and uh, my last is Annabelle. She's 12 and 7th grade this year. And so I just want to let you know a little bit about where I'm coming from today in, um, in regards to this concept of prayer. I have four kids, I, I think, on a very simple way. And so um, 
this morning I want to introduce this idea to you of just or just remind you of this idea of what it is just to have a relationship with God in regards to prayer. The Apostle Paul writes to a church in Colossae, and there's this one little verse that has caught my attention over the last couple of years, and in it, chapter 4, verse 2, he says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Now, what would it look like if you and I uh, just lived a life that we were striving to devote ourselves to this idea and this concept of prayer, and then stepping back and being watchful, and then being thankful to seeing how God interacts with us. I don't know if you've ever been devoted to something. Um, as you heard, when I moved, um, I moved from Vegas to California. As soon as we got to California, I picked up the love of the sport of surfing, and I've been doing it ever since. I've taught all four kids, my all four of my kids, how to surf here on the Oregon coast. So my thought is, if I could teach you how to surf on the Oregon coast, you should be able to surf anywhere in the world. Right? So. Um, with uh, my second daughter, Emily, we just got done taking her down to San Diego, and one of the things that she wanted to do, we had to get her board down there because her school sits right on just this beautiful coastline in San Diego where she gets to surf all the time. There's a reason why the Lord didn't allow me to go to that college because I would have never you know, succeeded in college there. But she said, Dad, can we do a road trip going down from Portland down to San Diego, and can we just surf all the iconic spots? I'm like, absolutely. So we just... We, we began to research and we began to look and study and jump online and we, we just began to find all these killer spots on where to surf. So we dropped in at Santa Cruz and then from Santa Cruz we went down to Malibu and Ventura and we surfed in Orange County and Huntington Beach and San Onofre, all the way down to San Diego. I mean, we devoted ourselves to making sure that we knew everything about what we could know about in regards to surfing. I mean, we even, we slept in the car at one point. She was uncomfortable, so I took all of the luggage out of my topper and I put it underneath my car and I made a bed with our sleeping bag and put my daughter in the topper so that she could sleep in it. You know, and just have a good night's sleep because we were like, we want to get up early next morning and go. But my, my point is, is that man, we were devoted to this. It's like nothing was going to stop us in moving forward and understanding that. And so what would it look like if you and I were just, we had that same mentality to be devoted, but but to be devoted to prayer. When I think about prayer, I think about this idea that it's this concept that we're simply just talking and listening with God in a relational way. It's talking and it's listening to God in a relational way. Now, whenever I have an opportunity to talk with people about prayer, whenever I ask them, I'm like, man, how, how is that prayer time with you and God? People tend to just hang their heads low. And I'm thinking to myself, prayer, prayer is an invitation that God gives to us, and it's not an obligation. And I think it's important that we have this perspective it's, it's an invitation to be with him. It's not, this obliga- it's not this obligation. In fact, prayer is something that is motivated and driven by God's grace, not by guilt. And when I think of prayer, it's not something that I have to do, but it's something that I get to do. And that really changed my perspective. And this, this regard, this idea of regards to prayer, that when we pray, the benefits that we have is we develop this relational intimacy with God. 
It's not a religion, but it's, it's a relationship. And it helps us align with God's presence, with his perspective, with his purposes, and with his power. And so I don't know where you're at this morning when it comes to orienting yourself with Jesus, but I just want to let you know, everyone's welcome. There's this invitation from God, and, and, and here's what I, I want you to know this morning, is that God loves us so much, and he just wants to invite us into a personal, deep relationship with him through this idea and concept of prayer. And so everyone is welcome. Everyone is has a place to begin. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. We all have a place where we can grow in this idea, this concept of prayer. When I think about devoting ourselves to prayer, I think that through this concept, you and I, we can become the men and women that God desires us to be. In fact, I believe that through this idea of prayer, that there's no sin that God cannot overcome in our life that he can begin to mold and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. I believe that you can become the godly wife, the godly husband, the godly mom or dad, the grandma, grandpa, son or daughter, brother or sister, aunt or uncle, cousin or friend. You name it, through prayer, God can help us get there. We can become godly bosses, employees, co-workers, students, neighbors, even to the point when we devote ourselves to prayer that God can help us overcome this uh, where we can actually have the power to love our enemies. When we devote ourselves to prayer, we can become godly ambassadors, we can be, we can be his people that he wants us to be as salt and light. We can, we can overcome any situation that we may be experiencing in this life. And I do believe that when we devote ourselves to prayer, we can see God's kingdom come here on earth as it would be in heaven. But the question is this, will you choose to devote yourself to prayer. So, uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for us to take a look at um, a story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. And look at this idea that Jesus set a model on how he prayed. And then we look at this idea that Jesus actually gave his disciples uh, a model of how to pray. And then I get this impression that Jesus is saying, I, I just want to urge you and, and, and remind you that you have the invitation from God our Father to simply uh, and to pray. So Luke chapter 11, diving in here, and uh, yeah, the verses are on there behind me. Let me just read this first one, this idea that Jesus himself set a model for us and he prayed. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Did you notice the question that the disciples are asking of Jesus? It's not, Jesus, would you teach me how to preach better? It's not, Jesus, would you teach me how to love better? It's, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? When you look through the scriptures, we see this idea, Jesus prayed. Jesus, uh, scripture says that early in the morning, Jesus got up and he prayed to God, his Father. Jesus prayed to his Father for people to be healed. Jesus prayed to his Father for miracles to take place. Jesus prayed to his Father when he went and he chose the apostles. 
Jesus prayed to his Father for the unity of all believers. Jesus prayed to his Father, even in submission when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, if there's any other way that we can accomplish what it is that you want us to accomplish, please take this cup away from me, but not my will be done, but your will be done. In the midst of that, Jesus gets down and prays, even to the point when Jesus goes to the cross, we read, what does he say? Father, please forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And all I'm saying is that this idea of prayer is that if we want to be followers of Jesus, Jesus prayed. If Jesus prayed, I think it's a good idea if you and I, when we try to orient ourselves around Jesus, that we look into this idea of living a life of prayer. Would you agree? Jesus prayed, and then Jesus then gives this model on how to pray. And maybe you are familiar with this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, or the Disciples' Prayer. It's also in Matthew chapter 6 in in a little bit uh, more detailed way. I grew up praying this prayer, being raised in the Catholic Church. But when I prayed through it, it was just repeating this prayer over and over, not understanding that there's this invitation that God is giving to us to come into a deeper relationship with Him. And so we just look at this idea of this model on how to pray, Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, just for the record, I don't think that Jesus was expecting you and I to just go and rattle through these words every time that we go to pray. I think it's a model. And what I love about the model is that when you look at it, it's this idea, when we pray in this specific way, what it does, it removes you and I from being the center of our lives, and we take a step aside, and we actually put God back into where he needs to be. And you see it break down with this. Jesus says, when you first pray, you start off with this idea as Father. We address God as Father, understanding this because of God's love for us, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die upon the cross, to take the place of each and every one of our sins, but not only to forgive us of our sins, and not only for the sake of just going and and being in eternity with him forever, but this idea that God invites us into this relationship with him as his children, as his daughters, as his sons. And so I love how Jesus starts off this concept of prayer. First, we address God as Father, understanding because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Church, you and I are welcomed in as God's daughters and sons. So we address God as Father. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So when we address this idea of prayer, we understand that we're coming to God as our Father, as the good Father, as the perfect model of a Father. And then he says, Hallowed be thy name. This idea of Halloween is that we just hold God, we hold Jesus in the highest regard, that he's set apart, that he's holy, there's no other God like him. So we start off by just praising God for who he is and for what it is that he is doing. I know that you guys are going through the Psalms right now. Psalm 117 says this, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love towards us. 
And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. So praise the Lord. So this idea of hallowed be thy name, we're just praising God for who he is and for what it is that he's done. Now let me just stop for a second and let me just turn it back into you and ask you this question. When you think about praising God for who he is or what it is that he's doing, what comes to your mind? Talk with me here. His mighty power. His mighty power. Okay, so we praise God for his mighty power that's unlike any other God. Awesome. What else? Yeah. Praise God for the fact that many of us have everything we need and then food, water, shelter, etc. And even though we have all these things, we sin. And every day God is willing to bless us, take on our burden, and be willing to have his flesh with the heart of his blood drink. So we may have communion immunity for giving us. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. So well said. If you're, if you're, <laughs> Don't say anything I said. That was just what we were I mean, praise God because of who we are. We were sinners, yet because of his great love and mercy, he still sent Jesus down to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. So we praise God for that. What else? His mercy. His mercy. His mercies are new everywhere. God doesn't give us what we actually deserve. So we praise God for that. What else? His faithfulness, his faithfulness endures forever. It never ends. No matter who you are, no matter what it is that you've done, no matter what it is that you will do, that will never change the faithfulness of God our Father that will continue to keep running after you to to be able to show his love and grace. So we praise God for his faithfulness. What else? Forgiveness. For his forgiveness. That he continues to offer that over and over again. What did someone say over here? His plan for something better. That Jesus says, hey, you can come follow me and I will give you life abundantly. Life to its fullest measure. So church, we say, Father, we recognize that we're your children and we praise you for who you are and we praise you for what you're doing. This morning I was just praising God for you. Praising God for church of the city. That you are here on mission to love people well. And then this is the next thing that Jesus teaches his people, his disciples how to pray. Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And Matthew, thy will be done on earth as it is in this heaven. And I just love this idea. Jesus saying, listen, when you pray, here's what we're praying. God, would you just bring a little slice of heaven down to earth? And would you use me to do that? So we're praying for your will to be done. Notice it's not about my needs yet. It's not about what I want to do. But it's, Father, it's about you. It's, hallowed be thy name. And I'm praying right now for your will to be done. For, for, for your kingdom to come. What does that look like when someone asks Jesus what's the greatest commandment and great commission? Jesus simply said, listen, you are to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. The second, go and love your neighbor. Love people. All the law, all the prophets, man, they hang on these two commandments. What, what is praying for God's kingdom come? That God would use us, that God would use you wherever you are to go and just simply to be love to others. And then Jesus gives the great commission, the mission to his disciples and to us, that you are to go into all the nations, that you are to go and baptize people in the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching people to obey and remind you, I'm with you wherever it is that you go. So we ask, Father, would you use me as you send me to work? Would you use me as I interact with my neighbors? Would you use me wherever it is that I go, simply to come and bring a little slice of heaven down to earth. 
A couple of years ago, I was down in Southern California, and one of the ways that I like to help live out this prayer is actually looking for ways to pray for people and to pray with people. And so sometimes when I'm at a, a restaurant and people take my orders, I just simply ask them, is there, is there a way that we can pray for you? So I'm at uh, uh, BJ's in Newport Beach, and this waiter comes up to us, takes our order, and afterwards I just say, hey, Henry, is there any way that we can pray for you? He looks at me and goes, absolutely not. Don't ask me again. And I was like, wow. Okay. And so I, I went back, and I just had this conversation with the Lord. I said, you know what, Lord, maybe this is not the way that you want me to be showing your love. I'm just, this is not a good strategy. The next night, we go to um, another restaurant, and um, as we're eating at this place, I sense the Lord say to me, you need to ask this servant how to pray for her. And I said, Father, were you not there last night at BJ's? Did you not see what took place? You need to ask her how to pray for her. So after she took her order, I said, hey, um, I was just wondering, is there any way that we might be able to pray for you? She looks at me, she takes her notepad that she's taken over on, she closes it, slams it down, looks at me straight in the eyes, she goes, what is the meaning behind that question? I'm like, here we go, Lord. <laughs> she's like, what is your purpose? Why are you asking me this right now? And I said, hey, um, sorry if we offended you in any way, uh, but we're just trying to be people to live a life with Jesus and trying to look for ways just to love people. And we just want to know if there's a way that we might be able to pray for you. She says, you want to know how to pray for me? I'll come back and tell you how you can pray for me. So she walks away. She comes back later. And she begins to share her life. She says, it's been the worst year of my life. My family has left me. I've fallen back into addiction. And I'm going through this program right now. And I'm barely angry. She's one of them pray for me. That's how you can pray for me. So I thank her for her willingness to even share that story with us. And then she went back, she brought her As we're eating, I felt like God said to me, you need to come into her life. She comes back. After we met you, I said, hey, there's one last thing. I said, um, I just want to let you know that no matter what it is that you've done, my what is that you're doing right now. I just feel like I need to remind you that God knows. And she said, you know, I've been going through this program and this certain step talks about finding a higher God. She goes, I think this might be the higher God that you're talking And all of that came out of this idea of just asking you, did you use us to simply bring your kingdom here to so Jesus, when you pray, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And then he moves into this idea of um, to forgive us of, or to give us each day our daily bread. This is a time now that we can come before God the Father and we just begin to lay out our request to God. Um, uh, 1 John chapter 5 says this, I write these things to you to believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, 
we know that we have what we ask of And so Jesus says, listen, now you come to God the Father and we just begin to lay out the needs that we have for others and for those around us. I'm sure most of you have one of these. Um, I have a certain tone, ringtone, and vibration for all four of my kids. And my kids know that at any time, even right now, if they were to call, and that's funny, here's my, my daughter right now saying that she's praying for you this morning, um, that they know that, that when they call, that I will answer. Because they're my children. And if they have a need, I will do, I will do whatever I can to help make that need. Um, this daughter's down in uh, San Diego. She called mom a couple days ago, and she's like, oh, I'm sick. <laughs> so my wife gets on Amazon Prime, orders it, and then two hours later, a guy from Amazon is delivering Dayquil and Nyquil to her dorm room. And it's just this, it's just, right? It's just a reminder, as a parent loves a child, Jesus says, listen, bring me your names. You're welcome to come in and just lay those things at my feet. And then he says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. I'll be honest with you, when I've practiced this prayer, there was times that I just jump over this part of life. I don't even want to go with it. And then I realized that this is not a guilt thing, but this is a grace thing, and this is something that actually Jesus is saying when we pray, we're inviting God, would you just show me, would you just help me to understand that areas in my life that are not pleasing to you, and the areas where you want me to grow and become more like you, so I can experience the abundant life that you have set out before me. And so we just ask God, would you come in and would you forgive us? And then we ask God to give us the power and strength to forgive those that we are struggling with. Again, First John chapter 1 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we actually make it out to be alive in his words. The promise is there, church. Just we come and confess that it's God. And then we continue to move on. And then finally Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. And this idea is that we just get to ask God, would you help us stay on the straight and narrow? Would you help me to live a life that is honoring to you to make wise decisions? Help me not to be, you know, uh, to go off what I'm tempted to in the left or to the right, but help me just to stay on the straight and narrow. James talks about this, that if any of you lacks wisdom, all you need to do is ask God, and he'll give generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So we ask God, would you please just, just, just keep me away from temptation? Then we've got the power of the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives, directing us into his ways. And so Jesus prayed, and then Jesus gives this model on how to pray. And let me just wrap up with this. And, and, and I, I hope that you hear the heartbeat that Jesus gives is this like this. This invitation that Jesus gives to his disciples, like, listen, prayer is a good thing, right? So we have this parable, and he says, um, verse 5, suppose that you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I were in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, 
He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now in this parable, Jesus is saying, listen, a friend comes to you at midnight and says, listen, I have a buddy that came and visited me, and I don't have any food for them, and now I need food. So this guy goes over to his friend's house at midnight and just begins to knock on his door and begins to beg and says, hey, would you please give me some food? I need some bread because a friend of mine has come over and I need to feed them. I need to be you know, someone that shows good hospitality. Would you please give me some, some bread for my friend? The guy inside answers, no way. My door's locked. And if you're a parent with young kids, you can understand and appreciate this. My kids are in bed, right? Any parents? Amen? Yes? My kids are in bed. Don't bother me. Go away. But because of this man's shameless audacity, because of his impudence, because of his perseverance, he finally gets up and gives him as much as he needs. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Is God our Father anything like this guy who's asleep in his bed that doesn't want anything to do with his people? Absolutely not. In fact, that's why Jesus is sharing this parable to let us know. In fact, God is just the opposite. But does God want us to come to him with this shameless audacity in our, in our biggest time of need and begin to just approach him and beg him to come and to answer our prayers? Does God want us to have a heart like that? Yes. Absolutely. Now, I don't know... Um, This word of shameless audacity is used only two times in the New Testament. And here's what it means. It means to rudely interrupt somebody. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I, no, maybe you've had kids, maybe you, you've been around kids, maybe you have been a kid at some point, but do you ever remember being in conversation with somebody and you, you walk up to those people that may be talking and then all of a sudden those adults who are talking, they, they dig deep down in the pocket and they pull out and they give you one of these. And what do they say? Don't, don't you interrupt me. I'm in a conversation right now. Here's what Jesus is saying, church. There are none of these in the kingdom of God. In fact, it's just the opposite. God says, come. Rule the Bring me your Bring me your Come to me. I just love that picture. So it's this parable that Jesus said, listen, we need to pray. And then he gives us a promise. Verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks is going to receive. The one who seeks is going to find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. These are the words and the promises of Jesus basically saying, listen, when you ask, you're going to receive an answer. It may not be the answer that we want, but you're going to receive an answer. When we seek, we're going to find him. When we knock, the door is going to be open. This is the promise that Jesus is giving to those who want to come and seek him. And then he ends off with this beautiful statement of, of, of the, the, his presence to be with us. And he asks his disciples this question. Which of you fathers, if your son asks 
for a fish, or give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Which of you fathers, if your son or daughter comes and asks you for something evil, you're going to give them something evil and something harmful instead. No good parent would do that. Look what he says, Luke chapter 11, verse 13. This church, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Is that not just awesome? If you then are evil and you know how to give good gifts, how much more will our Father in heaven come and give you his very presence, his power, and his partnership to be part of your life on your journey. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. Scripture says that he is our counselor. Scripture says that he is our comforter. Scripture says that he's there to teach us and to lead us and to guide us. And Jesus, listen, when you pray, how much more is my Father going to give the Holy Spirit to those that ask of him? And so Jesus just reminds his disciples, pray, pray. The invitation is to come and to be with him. Church, what would it look like for you and I to devote ourselves, ourselves to prayer, being watchful, and then giving thanks to God our Father and how it is that He's at work. Regardless of where you're at on your journey of faith, the invitation is for you to come and to experience and to practice and to journey talking and listening to a God that's absolutely in love with you and inviting you into a deeper relationship. Understanding with him through his son Jesus Christ. So, two things for you as we wrap up. What I want to give you an invitation to simply practice prayer this week. Some of you may have been practicing for a long time, some of it may be brand new to you, but I just want to encourage you to take this week, take the next seven days, and just practice devoting yourselves to talking. And listening to God. Maybe take five minutes on your commute, on a walk, or your lunch break, whatever it is. Just devote yourself to prayer individually. The other piece of that is practice this in community. If you're part of a gospel community, practice that this week as you already are. If you're not part of a gospel community, we encourage you to be part of that. Or grab another person and just say, hey, would you just practice this Prayer, talking, and listening yeah. to God. And just experience the invitation. And um, lastly, I would say this. I've been praying for you specifically this week. There's a prayer team of about 50 people this morning that have been praying for you. And for whatever it is that God wants to do. As I met with Russell this week, we just talked about this idea of constantly prayer. Here's what kept coming to our mind was to pray that peace that passes all understanding. I love the words of God. 
but he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll see you again. Rejoice. Let your judgments be added to all, because the Lord is near. Here's what was happening in my heart here this week. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we just invite you to trade in whatever anxiety you may be having. And let's start with this and just present that request to God. And so I just want to ask you this morning if that is something that's resonating in your heart. If, if, if there is something in your life that you are feeling anxious about, that you just want to trade with that anxiety for the peace of God this time, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so we can just pray for you.